like to start off with something funny sometimes. And so I heard about this, uh, this airplane that was about to crash. And there were four passengers. There were only three parachutes. So the first passenger said, hey, I'm a leading heart surgeon. My patients need me. So he grabbed the first parachute and he jumped. The second passenger said, I'm a rocket scientist. I'm one of the smartest men in the world. My country needs me. So he grabbed the second parachute and jumped. Third passenger was Pope John Paul. And he said to the fourth passenger, who happened to be a 10-year-old Boy Scout, son, I'm old and frail. You take the last parachute. The Boy Scout said, that's okay, sir. There's still two parachutes left. The world's smartest man just jumped out with my backpack. (laughs) That's great, isn't it? Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It's kind of been our launching pad for this entire series this month as we uh, continue in a new year. And this is our, we're starting our third week and final week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting that we, we do every year. And I hope that's going well for you. And, um, you know, and, and listen, we made a big deal about this, that fasting looks different to each and every one of us. Amen. Fasting is an individual thing. And so, um, you know, I know some of you, you know, there may be a day or two in the week that you're able to fast an entire day. Some of you, I, I know you're doing like a Daniel fast where you just do, uh, Uh, fruits and vegetables and cutting the meats and sweets. And uh, some of us do uh, like a partial fast where, you know, you just eat one meal a day and you're fasting the other two. Um, Some people, they do a a technology fast. And so they'll fast, a lot of teenagers, this works well for them. So they just fast living on Facebook and social media or video games, consuming their life. They just kind of lay that down for a season. So However that looks for you is fine. The goal is not really what what you're fasting. The goal is, as a result of doing that, your focus is intensified. That's the key. That's that's our aim. Amen? So I I hope that's going well with you. And and, uh, if if you hadn't tried that out or considered that, then, yeah, we encourage you to join us this week during the final week. And... um, and seek the Lord and, and uh, yeah, fast and give it a shot and, and, and watch what happens. Um, so Shelly always gets mad at me. My kids get mad at me. But uh, anyways, I, I, I've lost 15 pounds in two weeks. Um, yeah. So just don't eat. You'll lose weight. <laughs> right? Or, or change the way what you've been eating, right? Because once Thanksgiving hits, Right? I just eat like Thanksgiving from then until the, we fast. And I've tried to change it every year. It's futile. It's just once it, the snowball starts going downhill, it just accumulates, right? So 
Anyway, hey, watch it, watch it. Probably does. You're probably exactly right. So, anyway, but uh, but anyway, uh, let, let's jump into this. Uh, Philippians chapter three. I love this in the the Passion translation. It says, "I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into His abundance." so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. So good, isn't it? I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this, however. Uh, To accomplish this, however, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight, for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Amen? So Paul says, I have one compelling focus. Not 10, not seven, not five, not three, one. I have one compelling focus. And this is what we have been focusing on during this, this series, and it's really two sides of the same coin. It's forgetting what is behind, that's elimination, and it's fastening our hearts on the future or focusing on what God has in store for us ahead. That's concentration. So the last two weeks, we've focused on elimination. We've, we've talked about putting the past behind us. We talked about uh, how God's forgiveness in our lives, there's five elements of his forgiveness. And I encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, go back and, and listen to the podcast from the last two weeks and listen to that. But now we're going to talk about concentration, uh, about focusing on the future and what God has in store for us in 2019. And But before we do that, you know, a lot of times the beginning of the year, the first Sunday out of the year, right out of the bat, you know, we start talking about, hey, what are the goals for this year? But I intentionally didn't do that. I waited until this Sunday on purpose because I wanted to take the first two Sundays and services to really deal with and concentrate on letting go of the things that are holding us back. So I'm here to tell you that whatever failures you may have in your past, that doesn't have to dictate your future. Say that again. Whatever failures you have in your past, it does not have to dictate your future. Amen? And, you know, I've been honest and and vulnerable with some of the things I'm dealing with. And, you know, the thing that, that I've chosen to focus on to eliminate and let go of this year in my life is to finally get forgive myself for merging our two churches in 2014 or 2015. And you know what? Shelly and my family have been, although they were disappointed, not in agreement, they, they've been in the merge. They, they've been nothing but gracious. Not once have my kids or my wife said, I told you so, although they had every right to. 
because I did not listen. My board of directors, same. My church family, you guys have been nothing but encouraging and gracious and, hey, we're with you, let's go. And I preached it well, but there, you know, I just, you know, sometimes the last person you let off the hook is yourself, especially if it's major and it's big. And so I kept thinking of where we could be, what we did have. You know, we had a building that was debt-free. We had all our assets and we forfeited those. And, and listen, I want to make this clear in sharing this is I'm going to make it clear that I am not in any way demonizing the other church or the pastors or leaders of that other church. Okay? I want to make that clear. That is not my heart and that's not my motive. It's just two different philosophies of ministry. That is all. It's just different. Not right or wrong, just different. Amen? So, kind of like Baskin-Robbins, 31 flavors, right? Just different flavor, right? And they didn't mix. You know, you mix chocolate and vanilla and that swirl, it's pretty good. But, you know, you mix, you know, certain funky colored flavors together, it's just not, you just shouldn't do that, right? So, I'm not demonizing the other church or ministry. I want to make that clear. So, it wasn't right or wrong. It was just different philosophy of, of ministry. That's all. And... So when we relaunched and had to start over, it's just been really difficult for me to let go of that and to forgive myself and and not dwell on what could have been and what should have been, what I should have done. And remember what we do when we do that. When I could have, would have, should have, we end up should have and all over ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So we got to let that go. And, and so, you know, one of the things I've learned is that, that helped me is we can use all the failures of the past as stepping stones. You know, let's say, for example, that, you know, you've been a, um, let's say you've been divorced, remarried three times. You're on your third marriage. You know, you could beat yourself up and I don't know many people that have and blame themselves that, you know, if I would have done this, if I would have done that, you know, well, honestly, both, both of my marriages would have survived. You know, I didn't know what I knew, know now or, you know, I, I, I just didn't do due diligence or whatever. But if you think about that, so you can take all the failures of those previous two relationships and, and what you learn from that. And what you learn from that is invaluable. And can you imagine what your third marriage will end up being? What it could and should be because what you learn from the past. So instead of letting that define you and and beating yourself up over that, you take them, no, this is what I learned from from this failure that makes me the husband and the dad I am today. Does that make sense? And what a different mindset than just continuing to wallow and defeat and woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? So we let go of the past. So now this morning, what I want to do is I want to focus on concentration. I want to focus on fastening your heart 
to the future. So, and why is that? And I love the why is in this verse in the Passion Translation. If you'll bring that first verse up again, I want you to see Paul's why. And he says, he said, I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. And, but actually before that, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. It's actually above that. I run with passion into his abundance so that, here's his why, I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. That is our why in everything. Amen? Our why in everything is we want to reach the purpose that Jesus has called us to fulfill. Amen? That is our why. And the reason it's so important to remember our why and hang on to our why is we always lose our way when we lose our why. Amen? We always lose our way when we lose our why. So we always have to be reminded why we do what we do. And the reason we do what we do is so that we could fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Amen? So I want to talk about concentration. I want to talk about focusing on the future. Matthew 6, and verse 23. I want you to look at this verse here. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. So I want to break this down. The eye, Jesus said, is the lamp of the body. Now, the eye, that is where, what do we do with our eyes? We see. In other words, it gives us sight or it gives us vision, right? And so Jesus is saying the eye or the vision your vision for life is the lamp of the body. What is a lamp? A lamp is something that lights your way or guides you in the darkness, right? So your vision is the guide or directs the way of the body or your life. Amen? So... The eye is the lamp of the body, or your vision is the guiding force of your life. Whatever you focus on, whatever you see, whatever you continually look at, because we become what we behold, that is the guiding force of your life. And so if the vision, the focus, whatever you're concentrating on, if it's healthy your whole life, will be full of light. But if your vision's unhealthy, if you're still stuck in the past, if you're overwhelmed, you know what they say? that They say that in a circus, the lion tamer, he has a chair and a whip and usually a pistol on the side, just in case, right? And out of the chair, the whip and the pistol, do you know what that lion tamer would say is the most powerful weapon he has against that lion? 
the chair. And the reason is, is because when he takes that chair or stool with three or four legs and he shoves it in the face of the lion, the lion doesn't know what to focus on, which leg to focus on. And so while he's trying to focus on the the legs of the chair, he doesn't notice the tasty morsel that's on the other side. He's so consumed trying to focus on the chair, he doesn't notice all you got to do is slap that chair away and eat. But he's so consumed with distorted and distracted by all that. And I think about that with our lives, that the enemy and our enemy he roams around like a roaring lion, right? And sometimes the lion's on the other end. And the, and the devil who roams around like a roaring lion, sometimes I think he takes the stool away and that's how he defeats our lives. Is he gets us so focused on so many things, right? That we don't know which way is up and I'm so confused and I feel overwhelmed and talk to me somebody. Hmm? And so I want to talk to you this morning about focus. In 2 Samuel 11, 1, talking about King David, it says, in the spring, and I'm, I'm skipped ahead, guys. In the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Amorites. They destroyed the the Ammonite army and laid sage to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. The reason this is a key verse, we all know the rest of the story. It was during this time because David was at home. Now, it says when kings normally go out to war. See, David should have been on the battlefield. And God did give them victory, and David would have experienced that victory, but he got distracted, and he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And so he sent Joab, he sent the army, but instead of him going, he stayed behind in Jerusalem. And as a result, all those things with Bathsheba ended up happening. In fact, that's one of the reasons Bathsheba took a bath not worrying about anyone seeing her because she figured the king and all his men are at war. So she freely took a bath. But David wasn't at war. And so he looked out over his balcony and he sees her. And we all know the rest of the story. He ended up having an affair with her, and, and then she becomes pregnant. And then to try to cover it up, he, he sends one of his best friends to the front line and draws all the men back. He ends up being killed, so basically he murders him. And then the baby she's pregnant with, they end up losing the baby. But it can all be traced back to, normally, kings go out to war. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. That's where the whole problem started, is David was distracted. Amen? And so focus is about being single-minded. It's about removing all the unnecessary 
and unimportant to see, to see the necessary and important clearly. I, I love the, the new iPhones. And one of the features on the new iPhones on the camera, and, and this feature makes it uh, like a professional photographer. And there's this feature that if you use it and you take a picture, it'll, it'll be real clear and focus really clear on the subject at hand but everything that's in the background, it will blur it. How many know what I'm talking about? It, it makes it kind of fuzzy. And, and, and you can still tell what it is. And so if Shelly was standing in front of some, a, a tree or some plants or a, a building, you'd still be able to tell that's a tree behind her or that's a building behind her. But she would be super sharp and focused and clear. But the building or the tree or whatever was behind her, you can still tell what it is. But, but it's just kind of fuzzy and blurry. And so as a result, whatever the subject you're focused on, it's just super sharp and clear and vibrant. And everything else kind of fades in the background. That's the power of focus. It's, it's not that we don't still have to deal with the two inches of water in the church. No, I'm not focused on that. Well, you better because someone's got to clean it up, right? No, we had to find, but it becomes something that's in the background that, yeah, we need to get done, but the focus, what's going to get our attention, what we're going to put in the uh, fine-tune and make sharpened is God is good despite that. God's faithful in spite of that. Does that make sense? So it's just background noise. It's, not on the, it's in the background of my life. It's not in the forefront of my life. Does that make sense? Amen? It, it, it's the power of concentration. Do you remember, I remember orange juice when I was a kid. How many remember Tang? I love Tang. Huh? Do they even make Tang anymore? Some of you younger folks are like, what's that? You got to be an astronaut. Yeah, it was made for the astronauts, wasn't it? Tang, T-A-N-G, Tang. It was, the, it was orange juice in the 70s. And you, you buy the glass. I don't think they, they sell it anymore, right? Probably find it on eBay. Save it. They sell it? Buy me some tang. <laughs> Actually, don't. It's probably I'll most... Huh? No, I want the real orange juice. Uh, don't give me tang. It's probably mostly sugar, which is why we liked it. And a little bit of orange stuff, which probably wasn't orange at all. It was just orange dye with sugar. So we loved it. Anyway. But after Tang, my mom would buy, and you still buy this, she would buy orange juice concentrate, right? You still buy that, Minute Maid. You can buy orange juice, you can buy limeade, lemonade, whatever. It's concentrated, right? See, whatever you concentrate on or focus on increases. And so it's kind of like that orange juice concentrate. What do you do with it? You take it out of the freezer and thaws out and you open it. When you dump the contents, it looks like, no, man, I only got this much. But because it's concentrated, you're supposed to what? You add water, right? And, and you add water and it increases, it grows, it, there's more. And that's what focus and concentration is like in our life. Life or the way this works, life automatically adds the water. So good or bad, whatever we concentrate on and focus on, it increases in our lives. It gets bigger. 
It just does. You don't have to add the water yourself. Life will do that. So whatever you, so if you focus on the things of God, you focus on his goodness, you know what? That begins to grow. You just see God's goodness everywhere. But if you focus on the two inches of water, you, you, you focus on all the problems, you know, all the obstacles, guess what? That's all you see is you see a problem there, a problem here. You see a problem everywhere, okay? So we wanna make sure that we're focusing on the right things. And so I wanna talk to you this morning about setting godly goals. And I intentionally didn't talk about this the first Sunday of the year because I really wanted to deal the first two weeks, especially during this time of prayer and fasting, I really wanted to do with, deal with, let, let's make sure we put the past behind us. Let's make sure we let go of the things that are holding us back because so many of us, we, we begin to focus on the future, but if you have not dealt with the past, and listen, I'm one of them. Yeah, I, I didn't deal internally with that failure in my past and the merge and all that was involved with that. And so because I didn't deal with that, it stuck. And every time I felt we made forward ground, I kept myself being pulled back. And that's what happens when we don't put the past in the past and allow it to become a stepping stone. Then what happens is even when we begin to, to move forward, it's like a rubber band and it just keeps pulling us right back. Amen? So I intentionally didn't talk about this the first couple of Sundays this month because I wanted to make sure that we, make, we put the past the past. We make sure that elimination took place. Amen? But this morning, I want to talk to you about godly goals because goals have a way of, I believe goals are like, can be spiritual disciplines like prayer, like fasting, like reading our Bibles, uh, like giving or sharing our faith or serving. Goals, setting goals can be spiritual disciplines that help us reach the purpose and destiny God has for our lives. Amen? And so I want to talk to you about, but here's the difference. I, I want to talk to you about setting godly goals from a biblical standpoint, not from a, some motivational newsletter you would read. Amen? Not from, yeah, I heard the speaker talk about, and it was so positive, and I got pumped up. You know, that, that's great, but I, I, what does the Bible say? Amen? So I want to talk to you about setting godly goals biblically and what that looks like. Number one is this. Here's some guidelines when you, when you set these goals. Number one is they got to bring God glory. That, that's the whole purpose, right? Amen? That the goals that we set for our life, the things in our heart that we believe God's placed there. It's not about us. Amen? It's not just about me and my family. It's about the glory of God. It's about His story. It's, it's about making His name famous. Amen? It's not about, hey, I achieved this, look at me. It's about, no, I achieved this by God's grace, by His strength, by His leading, Go God. Amen? So godly goals, number one, bring God glory. And that's why we were created, right? We were created to glorify the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
Do it all for the glory of God. Number two, godly goals are motivated by love. Motivated by love. Again, it goes beyond just what's in it for me. They're motivated by love for God and love for other people. Amen? If they end with just me, then you probably ought to question the source. Amen? Right? So they're motivated by love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, everything you do must be done with love. Number three, they fulfill God's purpose for your life. They fulfill God's purpose for your life. And we talked about that in Philippians 3, the opening verse. Four, number four, they gotta be set. You set these goals by faith, F-A-I-T-H. You've heard of SMART goals, right? S-M-A-R-T, right? And those are good, but I wanna talk to you about faith goals, F-A-I-T-H. Godly goals are set by faith. Here's what that stands for. Letter F, it means they're focused, okay? A goal that is set by faith means it's focused. It's specific. Example, let's say one of the goals for your life that God really has laid on your heart is, you know what? I don't want to have to take this high blood pressure medication for the rest of my life. Now, let me clarify something. Don't just stop taking your medicine without consulting your doctor and call that faith. That is foolish. Are you hearing me? I was telling the story, I remember years ago, Shelly and I were youth pastors. And uh, we're at youth camp and it's powerful and it's pumping and man, it's awesome. And, and, and we actually had a girl that was in our youth group that was deaf, had hearing aids. And uh, she actually ended up, remember that? Taking out her hearing aids because God healed her ears. Okay, it was awesome. It was incredible. She never put them back in. Okay, verified healing. Okay, here's the difference. When another kid had glasses, he, God's going to give me 2020 vision, takes his glasses, <laughs> stomps them into a thousand pieces. Okay, the only problem was the girl that got healed of deafness, you know, she could hear the rest of the week. But the guy who crushed his glasses, he couldn't see a thing. So the rest of the week, he's like, like that. And then we get home, I had to deal with his dad. Why did you allow my son to destroy a hundred something dollars? Of God? He did that all on his own, you know, it wasn't me. So listen, doctors are in the same business as Jesus to bring health and healing. They are not the enemy, right? So sometimes we get off and word of faith, people misunderstand and they think, well, if I'm really walking in faith, then I don't need doctors. You know what? I always tell people, you go to the doctors by faith. Why does it have to be either or? Amen? Right? Amen? So do you brush your teeth? Part of the reason we brush our teeth besides your breath stinking is we don't want cavities, right? So you notice that we don't go, I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to believe the Lord to take care of my teeth. I'm just not brushing them. Right? 
right? That's foolish. We wouldn't even think about that yet, right? Well, then why did we do that in other aspects of our health, right? So I'm making a big deal about this because I don't want there to be any confusion. You know, don't get off high blood pressure medication or whatever and, and call it faith. You work with your doctor, amen? And, uh, you know, I've shared this story before. You know, you're, actually, it was when we, we became the senior pastors of CFC in uh, May of 1999. And uh, Shelly started having seizures out of nowhere. Just, we know where it came from. It's the enemy, distraction. And never had them before. And they said, they said it's very rare for adults to have seizures later in their adult life. You use them, usually had them when you were a child and they kind of follow you through adulthood. Shelly never had one in her life. And so these seizures hit and man, it was a distraction and doctors and medication. And it was so frustrating. She didn't, medication, if it stopped the seizures, it didn't make her, uh, turned her like into a zombie. And it was just horrible. And so, hey, we're, we're going to believe God. And you know what? She ended up off her medication, went back to the doctor. They did an MRI, gave her a clean bill of health and said, looking at your MRI, she said, normally when people have seizures, we can see scarring on the brain. She said, we look at the MRI of your brain. It's perfectly normal. You can't even tell you ever had a seizure in your life. Isn't that awesome? Clean bill of health, off the medication. So, the doctor confirmed the healing. Does that make sense? Amen? So be, you, you got to be focused. So maybe your focus is, hey, I want to get off my, my blood pressure medication. Oh, okay. That's great. So what, what do you got to do that to do to do that? Well, the, the doctor said, I, I, I need to eat more healthy and, uh, and, and I need to exercise three to five times a week. Okay. W- when are you going to do that? Uh, okay, I'm going to work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, uh, four to uh, five to six every evening. Right when I get off work, I'm going right to the gym. Okay, does that make sense? So that's different than, hey, I want to be healthier this year. No, you got some, well, what does healthier this year look like for you? Okay, so that is focused, that is specific. I don't, I want to get off this high blood pressure medication. That is specific right? And you have something specifically you're doing to help accomplish that, that you're trusting God to help you and give you the strength and give you the grace. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's, it's focused. Letter A, it's attainable. Okay. Now I don't mean it's not hard. It's not difficult. I don't mean it's, it's not going to stretch you, but here's what I mean. Let's say, go back to lifting weights. He lifts weights. I can tell. Almost as big as mine, but not really. He's bigger than me. Anyway, he uh, imagine I used to have a goal, uh, bench pressing, of always increasing it. And the highest I ever got, uh, as in my 30s, um, is I, I got to 300 pounds. And uh, I was with Air Collar. Air Collar can verify. So I did a, a max of 300 pounds. And, uh, and that was good. And then my shoulders started hurting. I'm like, that's good. It would be very foolish for me to set a goal of this year, I want to bench a thousand pounds. See, that's not attainable. There's not many pro NFL football players that can bench a thousand pounds, right? 
you got to consider the limitations of your body. You, you have to consider, okay, even if you could, if you could, that doesn't mean you should, right? Even if you had the muscular strength, you're looking at the wear and tear on your joints and ligaments and tendons. And are, are you with me? So that's not a realistic goal. That's not attainable. It's, that's a foolish goal. So that's what I mean about attainable. So they're focused and they're attainable. Okay, letter I, they're individual. Now, here's what I mean by that. I, it, I'm not saying that they're selfish or they're just about you, but what I'm saying is a lot of times what we do is we, we set goals that we ca- may call them family goals, but they're really for your husband or spouse, wife. I used to do this to Shelly. Here's our goal as a family. She knew. And so I tried to impose my fitness goals on her. If you've been married for longer than 10 seconds, you know how well that went. And you know how successful that is. It never works. Why does that never work? Because you cannot set a goal that you can't control. And you can't control your spouse. You can't control somebody else. We're not created to control other people, right? So I used to set these goals, fitness goals for the family. And really, they were what I thought Shelly should be doing. And many times I imposed my conviction, my fitness goals, and I just superimposed them on her, tried to conform her into my image. Instead of praying, if I'm concerned about her health, praying, God help Shelly with her health. God, you speak to Shelly. Right? God, you direct her. And you know, who knows? Maybe she's maybe she's struggling with a, you know, maybe your spouse is struggling with a, a limiting belief that, hey, you know what? All my family was overweight, and so you know, it's always been this way. And so, you know, it's something I just learned to accept. You know, maybe they're struggling with a a a limiting belief and, you know, pray against that or pray that they would be encouraged. Pray that, does that make sense? Okay, so it's got to be individual. It's got to be something you can control. Letter T, it's got to be trackable. It's got to be measurable. Okay, so in in other words, I can measure, I want to be healthier this year. Okay, how are we going to tell whether you are or not? Okay, but if I say, hey, I want to be off high blood pressure medication by my next doctor appointment in April. Okay, when I show up to the doctor and he goes through all the results, he's going to either say, continue to take it or, hey, your numbers are great. Let's start weaning you off your medication. Right? That's measurable. It's trackable. Or if I'm losing weight, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds. Right? If that's part of me getting healthier, the scale measures whether I'm accomplishing that or not, right? Is this making sense? Okay. It's, it's heartfelt. In other words, you have to feel passionately about your goal or you're never going to accomplish it. So you got to be passionate about it. It can't be what you think you should do. Remember, we opened this year talking about that we want to live freely animated and motivated by the Spirit of God. So I'm not setting these goals because of this rigid, strict, heavy-handed, legalistic, this is what I should do, this is what I should be. No, I'm living freely 
And all these goals are animated and motivated by the Spirit of God. Amen? All right? And then the last thing about SMART goals is they're achieved by God's power. Philippians 2.13 says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Amen? So how do we do this? And I've shared this, but it's, it's been a while. Here's what I want to close with. These six things, six priorities of life. Faith, fitness, family, friends, finances, and fun. And those six priorities of life, whenever I feel overwhelmed, whenever I feel like the the enemy who roams around like a roaring lion has stolen the stool and has thrust it in my face and I feel overwhelmed and I, I, I feel I'm drowning. Come on, you ever been there? And just the circumstances of life, these six things help me always bring me back and break me out of that cycle, okay? So the first one is uh, faith, and that, that's our intimacy with the Lord. That's why we were created, amen? Philippians 3.10 says, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. That's where it all starts. So what are some faith goals? Maybe one of your faith goals is, you know what? this time of prayer and fasting. Maybe some of you, this is the first time you've ever tried fasting, okay? And and that's awesome. Um, Maybe some of you, it's to, hey, I want to read a chapter in the Bible every day. You read a chapter in the Bible every day, you go through the whole Bible in three years. Okay, great goal. Uh, maybe your, 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 your goal is, hey, I, I'm going to spend more time with the Lord. Or, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start coming to church more consistently. Or I, I'm going to start giving more consistently. Or I'm going to start serving in the church. I come, I give, but you know what? I, I need to find a place to serve. Whatever it is for you, set a faith goal. Number two, fitness. Now, I've been criticized for this. People have said, Pastor Todd, don't you mean faith, family, and then fitness? You, you don't put fitness. You don't put like going to the gym. You're not one of those people, right? Where you go to the gym and that's more important than your family. Okay. Well, no, not in that spirit, but yeah, fitness does come number two before family for a reason. That is on purpose. And the reason is if you go home to be with the Lord early because you didn't take care of your body, then what, what good are you to your family? If you're no longer here, and your spouse is a widow and your children are fatherless or motherless, do your family goals even really matter? Does that make sense? So, so fitness is, it's, and again, remember all goals are motivated by love. So this goal goes beyond, I want a six pack. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I do. That'd be great. But that fails in comparison to, I want to be here as long as I can because I like hanging out with her. Because I like hanging out with my kids. And I look forward to doing things with my grandkids and, God willing, my great-grandkids. Amen? To do that, I have to still be here, which means I got to take care of this temple. Only get one, right? Only get one heart. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, so fitness matters. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you realize your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit? 
So you must honor God with your body. So fitness matters. Number three is family. Okay, what, what are your family goals? Maybe some of you, it, it, you need to reestablish a date night. You know, so Shelly and I have, have done that and we find ourselves that, you know, life just happens and three months will go by and we're like, you know what? We have not been on a date, just us without the kids or another couple or other friends or, or it's a meeting or it's this or it's that. We haven't done that in three months. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Please don't tell me I'm, not, I'm the only one, right? Life happens, doesn't it? We get busy. We let other things crowd in and, and we forget. So what are those family goals? What do you have your, your goal as a husband, your goal as a, as a wife, your, your goal as a dad, as, a, as a, a father? You know, one of the things I used to do, I love doing it, is every month, uh, Christy and I, we'd have daughter, daddy-daughter date. And it was in the calendar. It was a goal. And I wanted her to know, hey, whenever you start dating, whenever you start going out, can't do that till you're 18. You're dating dad till then. But up until then, you know, I wanted her to know, this is, this is how a date is to treat you. Right? This is how they're to honor you. They open the door for you. They respect you. They listen to you. They, right? Hmm? So if anyone has behavior that's contrary to what dad's displaying, then you move on. They're not for you, right? Thank you for that amen. So what are your family goals? For friends. Friends, your relationships. Proverbs 13.20 says, Becoming wise, Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Who you hang around matters. Who are some friends? Who are some, what are some key relationships that God wants to develop in your life? And here's the thing I've noticed about relationships. They don't just develop, they don't just happen. You have to plan on them. You ever see someone and go, man, so good to see you. Hey, we need to get together. And you're like, yeah, we do. And then what happens? You see them again that time next year? Ah, oh, man, I haven't seen you since, I haven't taken this last year. Hey, we never got together. Yeah, we need to do that. Yeah, we need to do that. No, it never happens to you. Do what? I'm free Friday. What's your calendar look like? And you schedule it and you pin it down right? Or it'll never happen. It'll never happen. Life happens. We get busy and, and, and life happens. So we need those friendships. We need those relationships. And then finances. And, and I shared this, Deuteronomy 14, 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. So, you know, maybe a goal for you in, in giving is, you know what? I don't consistently give. I'm going to start giving. Or, hey, I normally give 5% of my income you know what, this year, I'm going to give 7%. Or, hey, normally I tithe, but you know what, I'm going to start giving offerings over and above my tithe. Or maybe a goal for you, maybe it's, it's uh, there's giving goals, maybe it's a saving goal. That, hey, we're going to believe God to, to save this amount. Maybe it's uh, get out of debt. You know, hey, we got these credit cards, we added them all up. You know what, our goal is, you know what, we're going to pay off at least two out of those three by the end of this year. And here's our plan. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust God. And we're going to get out of debt. Amen? And, and you have that goal. Amen? Number six. Last but not least. Still on the list. One of my favorites. You got to have fun. Faith, fitness, family, friends, finances, fun. This afternoon at two, 
I'm going to be playing tennis. It's a fitness goal, but more than that, I just do it because it's so stinking fun, right? Played last week. First time this year was last week. Man, it was cold. Played anyway because it was fun. Okay, so you got to, whatever that is for you, some of it's fishing, it's golfing or playing cards or going to concerts, whatever it is for you, whatever fuels your soul and and fills you up and and builds you up, then you got to make fun a priority. Have you ever noticed you will get so caught up climbing the corporate ladder of success, um, you know, taking care of your family, you know, I got fitness, I got that going on. All that will end up taking place that we forget to have fun. Amen? So you got to make fun. It is a priority of life. First Timothy 6, 17, I promise I'm closing. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. You know what? Do you realize that Jesus' first miracle in John chapter 2 was he turned water into wine? You know why he did that? To keep the party going. Hmm? I know that messes with some of us. Our religious minds can't wrap around that. But Jesus turned, otherwise, why do it? Just say, drink water. Just, right? And, and here's the thing. I love it because when they tasted the wine that Jesus had made, they said, hey, normally people serve the good stuff first. Because then when people are like, you know, a little, you know, then they drink the subpar stuff. They don't really mind so much. But you know what, Jesus, you didn't do this. You saved the best for last. Jesus turned the water and the wine to keep the party going. And I love it. Throughout the Old Testament, you ever notice God always created excuses for parties? The Old Testament calls them feasts. They were parties. There was food. There was drink. There was fellowship. There was fun. There's, I didn't say there was debauchery. I didn't say that. Right? It's centered around the goodness of God, celebrating his goodness, celebrating his deliverance, celebrating his miracles, so marking this annual event. We, we crossed over the Jordan or, or he brought us through uh, Egyptian bondage. Whatever it may be, God had, there's a feast, you, know, you do a feast here, a feast here, a feast there. There was always these feasts, parties. They had Super Bowl parties all the time. <laughs> why? Here's why. And we don't see God this way. He is a God of fun. Are people fun? Do you know some people that are fun? Do you? Right? You know why they're fun? Because they're created in the image and likeness of God. Now, we think a loving, we think a kind, we think a... But we don't think it's fun being part of the image of who our God is. You ever met someone who's not that fun? Enough said. Right? Do you want to hang around? Do you invite them over? No, we do not. Right? Does that make sense? So fun, we need to get over it. We, need to, we let the world steal these concepts, right? 
and fun is what you do in the world. But now that I'm a Christian, I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't. Well, what do you do? Huh? No, I just have fun in a whole different way where Jesus is right in the center of it. And I don't wake up regretting anything the next day. Are you with me? Amen? So faith, fitness, family, friends, finances, fun. Those six areas. Take the next week, our last week, as we wrap up these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Seek the Lord. And and some of you may have already written some goals out. Maybe he wants to fine-tune them. Maybe the Lord wants to tweak those. But set some goals in every one of those areas of your life. And watch how it focuses you and directs you. Amen? And then we can all come the first quarter, the end of March, look at our lives and we can go, hey, where are we at? Amen? And maybe maybe we didn't, we won't reach our final where we wanted to be, but you know what? We'll be able to look back and go, okay, you know what? I, I'm way, my numbers are way better than they were in January. Right? I'm, I'm not where I was. I'm further along than I was. Man, I'm going to believe God next quarter. I'm going to get there. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. And we thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we, we want this year to be marked by purpose and destiny. And we want this year to be a year that we live freely, animated and motivated by the Spirit of the Lord. And, Lord, we, uh, we don't want the enemy to take the stool and fragment our lives and fragment our focus. And we're, you know what, it's just another year and nothing has changed from the previous year or the year before that or the year before that, really. So Father, we pray that you would take these six things, these six priorities of life and you'd speak to us and this next coming week that You would just speak to us and because you're the one who you give us the desire and the power to do what pleases you. So we pray that you would bring those desires to the surface of our heart, the things that you want for us in these six priorities of life this year. And we thank you that we don't do this in our own strength. Lord, we have your power. We have your grace. We're animated and motivated by your spirit. So, Father, we ask you to help us walk in a greater level of of your purpose and destiny in every aspect of these priorities of life.